0: Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, all right, all right. You are listening to the conservative, not bitter talk. Yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show. So, technical issue here for a moment. Bear with me. All right, so it appears that um, we've got the impeachment underway. Impeachment is underway in the Senate. All kinds of things are happening as you – it's trying to – so I try to look here to see where I want to begin. I'm trying to decide here off the top if Nancy Pelosi is brokenhearted or if she is – in a mood of celebration, right yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. By the way, email Todd at com. Questions, comments, thoughts, that sort of thing. You're welcome to send those our direction. I'll get back with you as quickly as I can. I love hearing from you. And we're on Facebook, com slash ToddHuffShow. But is Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, are they I should say, are they brokenhearted or are they in a celebratory mood? You may have seen this. You may have seen this. When she signed the articles, uh, you know, put her signature on the final documents that made their way over to the Senate, which yesterday that took place. I don't know. Did you see this? This looked like a group of Democrat congressmen. It looked as though they were headed to a funeral. I mean, it, it did. It looked like they were there were seven of them. So I kind of envisioned as they were walking very awkwardly. By the way, of course, Adam Schiff was in the group near the front as he was following the articles of impeachment over from the House to the Senate. They were walking almost uh, in lockstep with one another. It looked like it looked like they were almost pallbearers walking over to the. Senate to deliver, to deliver this these articles of impeachment, and you know, of course, very stoic, very solemn, very sad looks on their faces as they marched across the Capitol grounds, headed to the Senate, where he, of course, made his presentation, his opening remarks to kick off this process of uh, the official trial, right, the trial of the President of the United States. So it's like they want it both ways because in addition to that, right? In addition to that, we've got Nancy Pelosi handing out souvenir ink pens. That's right, folks. So she was signing these final articles, getting them ready for presentation to the Senate. You know, and, and presidents do this. Like they'll take a pen, I got a pen here, they'll take they'll sign a, a, a very short portion of their signature, grab another ink pen pick up where that left off, and, and they'll, they'll use these to, to give as gifts or souvenirs or whatever the case may be. But see, the thing is, usually, usually, here's the problem with this, usually the, the, the legislation that the presidents are signing, it's usually something that they're proud of. It's usually something that was a campaign promise, or in the case of liberal Democrats, something that they've uh, told us will change our lives for the better solve all of our problems, right? And so it's usually something that they've intentionally sought after to accomplish. Nancy Pelosi, remember, she has told us from the beginning that this is a sad and a solemn affair. This is something that, I mean, she's had to fight back tears a couple of times, folks. She's had a difficult time with this. She's been uh, troubled, at least that's what she wanted us to believe. Remember, whenever they had the, the vote, the vote for uh, both of these articles of impeachment in the House of Representatives, she stood at the podium fighting off a smile, by the way. I mean, she did her her level best to keep from smiling, to keep from smiling that that uh, afternoon or evening. Remember, they also timed it out so that it would be perfectly uh, timed for consumption from the average american in, in you know prime time hours. And so this was a performance and then when the of course the some of the democrat caucus started to cheer or celebrate she looked at them like oh that's not what we talked about. That's not what we talked about behind closed doors. Right? This is sad. This is solemn. She tells us things like she's been praying for the president. She tells us things like, you know, I just uh, – this is just pathetic. This is sad that we have to do this. Never dreamed that we would have to talk about a president looking for foreign powers to help him, both in 2016, which, of course, uh, Mueller gave us, in for, or gave us uh, the material we needed to proceed with that. But it just wasn't enough. Left a few things unchecked, but we all know what he did. This is kind of the narrative. This is kind of the argument they want you to believe. So now, now we've caught him red handed, you know, hand in the cookie jar, so to speak, getting ready to steal the 2020 election from Joe Biden, right? We don't even know if Joe Biden's the candidate yet, but that's what they're telling us. Trump is so terrified of Joe Biden that he has to go to the Ukrainians and say, hey, help me steal this from Joe. Help me steal, steal this from Joe. I mean if I have Joe out there on the campaign trail telling stories like Corn Pop, the Corn Pop saga, which is my personal favorite. If I've got Joe doing that, there's no way I can beat this guy. I mean these stories will just and just capture the hearts of the American people, lead to a 2020 Joe Biden presidency. So Ukraine, you're going to have to help me. So, But the question is, is it a celebration? Nancy Pelosi handing out souvenir ink pens, Democrats wanting to cheer, wanting to cheer even though they were scolded by Nancy Pelosi for doing so, the moment that they voted for these articles of impeachment back in December. Or is it a solemn affair? Is it the thing that, that, that we hear Nancy Pelosi talking about? What we saw yesterday, a glimpse of the the very troubled and burdened faces of those House of Representatives, the members of the House, who were walking over to the Senate. Very, very somber, very solemn, very dramatically walking across slowly as though they're at a funeral. That's basically what this looked like. Which of these two is it? By the way, I was thinking a little bit about this. I don't know who provided the ink pens to Nancy Pelosi, but I'm thinking... I'm thinking that maybe you know that I used to own – those of you who have listened for some time know that I owned a company called Mr. Brandit, which is now um, – I've, I've merged and I'm uh, selling the, the company to Proforma pro forma Irvine group. I thought maybe if Republicans, if Mitch McConnell wins this in the Senate, anything that he signs at the conclusion of this, maybe those should be – uh, some branded ink pens from the Todd Huff Show or something. We could work with Bruce and Proforma Irvine Group to do that. But anyway, I digress. They need to decide first and foremost if this is a brokenhearted affair or a celebration. And this is just the beginning of the impeachment drama, by the way. And I, I, Look, I know we've been through this in the House. This This has calmed down for a brief stint here, but we are about to move headlong into what is going to be the most aggressive and, well, the most aggressive sort of uh, pressure campaign you're going to find that's going to be levied on some of these Republican senators, Republican senators like Lamar Alexander, like Susan Collins, like Lisa Murkowski, like uh, Mitt Romney, that's the other one I was thinking of here this morning. There'll be others too. There will be others as well. And so there's some early votes, some early votes that might that might show uh, whether or not Republicans are going to stand unified. What are they going to do with additional witnesses, documents, um, and all that sort of stuff? Right. This whole the whole process. What's going to happen? What's going to happen next? what's going to happen next. and so that's that's where we are. Yesterday they 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 were sworn in. Chief Justice John Roberts was sworn in to oversee this trial in the Senate. The senators actually took time to sign an oath book. They signed an oath book. I'm wondering by the way when they signed that if they were using any of Nancy Pelosi's celebratory pins. That's a possibility. And now the trial is set to begin On Tuesday, but now there's there's going to be fighting, arguing, positioning, jockeying for things like witnesses, who can call witnesses, how many will be called, what sorts of new evidence will be admitted, that sort of thing. Adam Schiff mentioned yesterday that there's already new evidence. New evidence is already promised. Now this can this can go on infinitely here ad infinitum, right? So we can have. We can have Democrats, which this is really effectively what they've done from from the beginning. And as I'm looking at the clock here, I might need to hold off and talk about this next segment. But this is, this is the strategy. This is the game, right? I said before in the past that since Trump took office, and I mean this, by the way, I, I mean this. I think that this is undeniable from the moment that they dried their tears and they put away their adult coloring books, and they realized that their request for service dogs to help them cope with the Trump presidency in 2016. Once they realized that that little game and shenanigan was over, that they had the the reality of a Donald Trump presidency, these folks went into their next phase of the strategy. Right, it's kind of like the the seven steps of, of, of dealing with grief. Right, first there's denial. And then you move on, right? You try to move on to something else, and they immediately said, all right, this is real. Trump is president. There's not a whole lot we can do about this. Let's start the process of trying to make it impossible for him to govern, to, you know, to, to effectively lead as president, and let's start finding things – let's just start digging. Let's start seeing what we can come up with that qualifies him – to be impeached. And so they went from shiny object to shiny object, and they would hold these up periodically to the American people and say, what about this? Does this qualify as something President Trump can be impeached for? What about this? What about that? What about this? On and on this silly game goes, and we're to this point. And I think that there's a risk here. There's a risk here of this happening in the trial. That's happening in the trial As it pertains to evidence And I'll explain that when we get back But this has been one big game uh, One big Piece of strategy I guess you could say for the Democrats Going back to Going back to even even Before Trump set foot in the White House I mean literally there were folks talking about impeachment Planning impeachment We can go back and, and pinpoint Days in 11 days in I've written about this in, in our newsletter but a couple of days in, and if, if they're talking about it a couple of days in, folks, they were they were planning it. They were planning it. They were uh, conspiring. How about that? They were colluding with one another behind closed doors as to how they would use that. Long before he walked into the White House, they wanted to impeach him, stop him, do whatever they can uh, to get him out of office, to take away his power, to keep him from being able to implement his. His agenda and so forth since he's been elected and you could say even since before that time but anyway I have to take a break I'm going to take a break when we get back I want to explain how this I think can have an impact on the way that this Senate trial is, is handled uh, the way that it, it it goes I want to I want to raise a couple of questions I want to challenge a couple of assertions um, some of the conventional wisdom here on. You know, Short versus long trial, quick dismissal, should the president uh, postpone, should the, should the state of the union address be postponed, that sort of stuff, kind of these ancillary things that that could matter it uh, could make a difference, I should say, on how the public views this, uh, this particular portion of the process. But I have to take a break. We'll talk about the, the, these things and more as the program comes together. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So so before the break, just kind of laying the, I guess, initial thoughts and kind of summarizing where we've been up until this point, getting – uh, through the impeachment, actually up to – back to the election when, when that was identified clearly as the objective of the left to impeach President Donald J. Trump up until the shenanigans in the House of Representatives and now this moves to the Senate. We talked about that. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, I'm going to see if I can find a still shot. I'm serious. Watching these jokers walk across uh, the, the Capitol – walking across the Capitol from from the House of Representatives to the Senate, watching this transpire. I mean, it looked absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And it's, I mean, this is all about appearances for them. It is. This is about appearances, and it's about politics. It's not about reality. That's one thing it's not about. It's about politics, and it's about appearances. And so... I mentioned, I mentioned last uh, last break that there's there's a, a risk here. I guess, um, with determining how evidence, documents, witnesses, and so forth are allowed to be presented in this process, because, and I cited the example of the Democrats constantly trying to find an excuse to impeach President Trump. As I've said on this program before, the Democrats have told us, they didn't tell us with their words, but they told us with their actions. They've told us that, in their minds, President Trump is worthy of impeachment. This is back before Ukraine. This was back before anything. This was back, back when they were using their adult coloring books to cope with his presidency. What they they realized and what they decided was this guy needs to be impeached – now we need to go out and find the excuse, the reason, so to speak, the rationale, so that we can get away with this for the, with, the, with the rest of the American public, the voting public. And so that's why they went from item to item, holding up shiny object, one after another. Shiny object, shiny object. Can we impeach him over this? Please. Let me explain to you why we should impeach him over this. Go back and look, folks. Just do a Google search. Well, you might have to go to DuckDuckGo. I don't know if Google – Google might be scrubbing some of this stuff from existence. But you go back and you look. You can, it, it's astonishing the number of different reasons that have been cited for impeaching President Donald J. Trump. I think, I think a lot of people had just heard the word impeachment so much, I think they subconsciously thought it has to be time because I've never heard – this is the average person thinking – I've never heard the media talk about impeachment so much. There must be something there, even though I don't understand. I don't understand why. There's got to be a reason. I read his Twitter page. Can, can we impeach him over Twitter? That seems to be that seems to be a logical reason. His jump shot, I've not seen it. I think Obama's jump shot was pretty good. I don't know what Trump's jump shot looks like. You know, Trump, uh, Trump's not as thin and fit as Obama. When Trump takes the stage and speaks doesn't have the same feeling and effect as obama so i mean, i don't know i mean this maybe trump needs to be impeached for some reason i keep hearing impeachment i keep hearing all these reasons rationales for it. apparently there's got to be something there i think this is how some people think folks it's terrifying <laughs> it's terrifying in a uh, in a society where free free thinking people with a moral conscience needs to be well we need to have a nation full of people like that but it we don't. We don't have enough. We have some. I mean, we have, we have a lot, but percentage-wise, where do we fall? I don't know the answer to that. Anyway, I think the same strategy. So when, when the Senate is setting the rules here for how evidence is going to be introduced, how witnesses are going to be called, they better be careful. Because on the one hand, and this is a danger, you know, there, there's, it's like riding a bicycle. You can fall either direction. Right, you can you can lean too far to the left and fall that way. You can lean too far to the right, and fall that way. By the way, listening to this program will cause you to lean to the right. So if you take up your bicycle today, keep that in mind. But regardless, you've got you've got to balance this. If Republicans don't call enough or any witnesses or let Democrats um, have some degree of input and say, there's going to be a problem with that, of course, and I think objectively a problem. Look at what happened in the House. I mean, to me, of course, that's not viewed as the problem because the media doesn't present it it that way. They're content with the outcome there. Democrats in the House can do whatever they want. Now, when this goes to the Senate, Republicans have to be absolutely perfect. That's the standard. That's the difference in the standard. And so Republicans are going to have to work with Democrats here, and I think that they should because in a lot of ways – I think that exposing the light of truth to this entire shenanigan can actually be a good thing. And so at first I even thought, man, it'd be great if the Republicans, as soon as they got this article of impeachment, these articles of impeachment, they they held a vote and they just dismissed it. And they just said, we're not even, you know, this is stupid. This is a waste of the taxpayers' money. This has been a shenanigan and a witch hunt since, you know, 2016. We've heard... Multiple reasons, rationales, and excuses to impeach this president. All of these things. We're just not putting up with it. But then I started thinking, you know what? That could have negative consequences because a lot of people believe that this is a real thing. A lot of people believe that we're here because of legitimate reasons and actions taken by President Donald Trump, his you know, Rudy Giuliani, his cabinet, and all this stuff. His phone call with Zelensky. And so I think this is an opportunity— for Republicans to, to just go through this process, though it's it's painful in the sense that it's it's silly to have to do this, but to go through it enough to where people can see just how ridiculous these shenanigans have been. So, but the problem is you do that too long, you do that too long, and you're going to have the possibility, every second that this is an open issue in the Senate is a second that one of these Republicans who are moderate, who may not be, I don't know, principled or strong enough or whatever. Some, some would say other, other things that they're uh, – they, they would say that these folks are the ones who are the ones uh, who are unbiased. I, I don't see it that way at all, but anyway, the longer this goes on, the more you risk – a senator defecting and then if one defects then the likelihood of another defecting is is higher and so forth and so there there is that risk but there's also a risk of, of not doing enough of it on the front side not 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 presenting this or giving this enough time having enough witnesses but the risk here is that if you give the democrats an inch just as they've held up different shiny objects saying can we impeach the president over this or this or this or this or this it's also possible that they're going to keep digging for evidence. They're going to keep digging for people until they find what they need to convince the American public via this Senate trial that Trump needs to be impeached. And I I have no doubt that this is the way that they look at it. I mean, it's, it's really pretty pathetic when you think about it. This is not how, and I know this is not a court of law, but they want you to think, at both the same times, this is a political process and a legal proceeding. They want you to think that this is uh, a legal proceeding, whereby you know it's, it's very matter of fact, and uh, but it, but it's it's a game as well. When it benefits them for it to be seen as one or the other, that's what they'll that's how they're portrayed at that particular moment in time. But look, I, the idea is. I mean, there's a reason, and I'm not saying Trump's facing double jeopardy, but there's a reason why we don't have double jeopardy in this country. You can't say, prosecute someone, we failed, let's go let's go again. Let's keep doing this until we get the result that we want. And that's, that's where the Democrats are coming from here. Whatever it takes, as long as it takes them, as long as it takes Trump away from the White House. That's the way that they look at this. So, that's the danger as they think about the— the procedures, the, the, the way that this is going to function, the details, there, there, has, there, there has to be a way to both allow them to have input, them being the Democrats, so that we can at least expose this silliness for what it is and get through the process so the American people see that this is a much different proceeding than what took place in the House. I think that there's benefit there. I think that that's unfortunately maybe even necessary at this point. The way that this thing has been butchered by the radical left from the very beginning, intentionally so. But you can't open yourself up indefinitely to having an endless, non-ending trial because the Democrats will, of course, continue to dig up and bring in quote-unquote evidence. I think up to the point someone would possibly create evidence. I don't put that past some of these jokers. Do you? So so that's the risk on the other side. Anyway, I've got to get uh, get to the break when we get to the other side of the break. There's a few other things I want to talk about here pertaining to impeachment. I also want to get into a little bit of presidential politics. Presidential politics as well as we're moving quickly towards uh the campaign or the uh, the Iowa caucus here on what February 3rd I believe it is, but We'll get to those things when we return. You're listening Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. So, welcome back. One of the things that I mentioned off the top that you may have heard as well is that There is talk, um, there is grumblings or, I don't know, just discussions about whether or not President Trump should give his State of the Union address, State of the Union address under uh, this heavy cloud, this dark cloud that's been cast over his administration as he's now facing impeachment, uh, an actual trial. He's been impeached. He's facing a trial. The consequences of being, um, well, he he could be removal from office. It takes 67 votes. By the way, you ever notice when you read these articles uh, that are written by the members of the very, very um, unbiased media, very unbiased media, of course, they always talk about how many Republicans need to defect – to give president to – for Trump to be removed from office. That's, that's the starting point. That's the lens. How many do they need to achieve their mission, which is peculiar to me. I just – I don't – if you're objective, why are you talking about it in terms of you know, almost like you're rooting for the outcome? It's, that's a whole other discussion to talk about the, the way the media handles these uh, objectivity in stories and narratives today. But there is a question here. There is a question here about Trump and the State of the Union address. And I actually think, and I thought a little about this yesterday, your President Trump, of course, the, the, the House of Representatives is where the speech is given. Now, technically, you're invited by the Speaker. I suppose the Speaker should could just say, we're not going to. We're not going to do this until impeachment trial is over. Um, I I believe as I'm sitting here this morning, I believe that that is that's her prerogative. Now there might be problems from that that arise from that, but nonetheless, I believe that it's actually the speaker's prerogative. But nonetheless, this is normally held in the House of Representatives. I think there's a lot of Americans that would cheer cheer President Trump. I don't think that his supporters look at this as oh you should you should just lay low until this process plays out. I think more of his supporters think, man, go to the House of Representatives during this. Take to that podium. Take to that podium that Nancy Pelosi normally fills. Tell that chamber, and by extension through television, the American people, all the good things that are happening in this country. Thumb your nose at Congress. Tell them that you don't even think a moment about this impeachment because it's it's a silly little game and a witch hunt, as Trump has said in the past. I think people would actually – I think I would make the case prefer that, at least, at least th- those who are diehard Trump supporters. The things that the diehard Trump supporter likes the most about Trump is his willingness to fight, is his willingness to not back down, is his willingness – his willingness to do things that we've not seen other presidents do in the past. He doesn't capitulate, he doesn't cower, he doesn't retreat. He stands and fights, and I think there's something appealing about that. And the idea that he's standing in the chamber that impeached him as he's in the process of having a trial in the Senate, which of course is in the same building connected through the rotunda, the other side of the Capitol. I think there's something appealing to the average Trump voter that says, I actually like the symbolism here. It's not that this impeachment thing is a cloud over his head. This is not This is an opportunity for him to say, you do what you're going to do. You can't stop what I'm doing for the economy. You can't stop what I'm doing for freedom and the American people. You can't stop what I'm doing to protect this country. You guys can play your games, do your shenanigans all day long. But when all that all that comes to an end. I'm still going to be standing. You can, you can do whatever you're going to do. You can do whatever you're going to do. It's not going to stop me. It's not going to slow me up. I think, I think there's a lot of people that might actually cheer that and welcome that. Anyway, that being said, got to take a time out. When we get back, I want to I get into presidential politics. You, you've heard me on here before. You've heard me talk about and you've seen Joe Biden challenging people to push up contests to pull up contests he wants to have a race against trump he said this on multiple occasions It's what led me to say that the democrat the democrat party primary may actually benefit from, from making this like a, an american ninja warrior um yeah, survival of the fittest this might actually increase viewership this might actually it would be a great improvement over that debate i saw on tuesday night if they had you know, who could rip the most pull-ups off or do the most push-ups? Who's forty time is best? Who does the, the has the best two mile time? That sort of thing. Well, there's something that happened here in Democrat Party presidential politics that falls right into that, right into that mix. And I want to discuss that and just the election, the state of the the, the primary, and so forth uh, when we get back. But i have got to take a time out. You're listening to the Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. <laughs> welcome back so I had mentioned before the break mentioned before the break there's been a couple of instances in this campaign well it's it's very entertaining to me this campaign of course it's also terrifying to me as I look at the Democrats running and think that one of those folks could actually be president commander-in-chief of this nation but I'm also highly entertained At times in this process as well. And one of the things that's entertained me is Joe Biden. Of course, Joe Biden, my, my favorite story that he's told is the corn pop story. Where Joe Biden, with the help of the lone white guy, why that matters, only Joe Biden would have to tell you that. The lone old white guy cut a piece of chain for Joe Biden to go fight corn pop in the parking lot. Corn pop was out there nicking up razor blades. Soaking them in water, you know, as they used to do back in the '60s. Biden goes out there, basically like an American gladiator, going to swing that chain around and take out Corn Pop and a couple of his other buddies who were planning to jump Joe Biden because Biden called Corn Pop Esther Williams on the diving board. And this is this is the this is what he's up there saying. This is his campaign. This is what they do. And so. You've got stories like that. You've got times when Joe Biden has said, "Hey, you want to challenge me to a race? We'll see who's in better shape. Let's have a push-up contest." He said these sorts of things, folks. And I it, it got me to thinking. It got me to thinking that I think the Democrats would be better off. You know, you look at you look at the level of superficial politics identity politics the superficial way that they address issues they're an inch deep and not just a mile wide they're i mean miles and miles wide they want to cover every element of your life take over all sorts of sectors of the economy health care regulate this control that make you take certain actions take away freedoms here stop religious liberty there take away guns here and so they they have solutions for everything but all you have to do is realize that if you're willing to go more than an inch deep, you've already taken the issue deeper than any of these Democrats on stage have. And so it got me to thinking that maybe, maybe to, to engage the people that seem to be hypnotized by this, this messaging, I think they, they should take Joe Biden's suggestions and actually do the equivalent of American Ninja Warrior. You know, who can score the quickest time on the obstacle course? That can be your nominee. In Iowa, Iowa could build its own obstacle course. And they could say the candidates are going to run. The person who wins, wins the Iowa caucus. I mean, I say why not? Because based upon what I've seen and heard, right, we've got Bernie and Elizabeth Warren deciding who's a liar. Did Bernie say that a woman can be president in 2020 or did he not? We've got Elizabeth Warren out there Claiming to be a a Native American when she's less Native American than the average American is today. I mean, on and on this goes, folks. We're just scratching the surface as far as this is concerned. So I've said this jokingly, although there's a part of me that thinks that they would be better off doing this. And I come across this headline. Now I'll pause and say, out of all the candidates on the stage for the Democrat Party, the one that's – and I hesitate because they're all problems – the, ones that, the one that's the least problem to me, which please don't misunderstand, they're all major problems, is Tulsi Gabbard. But I see this headline in Fox News, Tulsi Gabbard wins push-up contest at New Hampshire Town Hall. Apparently, apparently, um, somebody at a town hall challenged <laughs> – challenged – Tulsi Gabbard to a push-up contest and she won I think that they should automatically this was in New Hampshire I think she should right now get maybe two two or three of the delegates the pledge delegates right now winning that push-up contest I think falls right in line with what they need to do I mean they don't let Tulsi Gabbard on the debate stage but she's out here winning push-up contests that that accounts for something especially when you factor in Joe Biden's desire for this to turn into a American Ninja Warrior competition, so I just want to throw that out there. If anyone out there listening is a member of the Democrat Party, I recommend, I recommend that you take this under advisement and consideration. I think that Tulsi Gabbard should be awarded a couple of delegates, no matter where she finishes on the ballot, by virtue of her winning this push-up contest in New Hampshire. I think you would get more attention in your uh, in in the process. I think. You would get uh, you know, more people engaged. I think about American Idol and all the votes that are cast there. Think about how many votes could be cast here if you had things like push-up contests and obstacle courses. And it would make Joe Biden's day, and mine as well. But I've got to take a break. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I say all this in fun, folks. I'm just having fun here. But there's still an element of truth there. When you're dealing in superficial identity politics, and there's not a lot of substance. You leave yourself to silliness, silly things like this. That's where we are today with Democrats, the way that they run their party and the party leadership push-up contest. Be back in just a minute. about all the time that we have this week I have to wrap up here in the waiting moments of, of the program but I think again going back to what we talked about last last segment that the Democrats would be well advised to turn their primary into the equivalent of the Seinfeld feats of strength as they did leading up to the holiday of Festivus likewise Democrats could do this leading up to the actual Primary process, the selection of their of their winning candidate. I think that it's well advised. I think that this would be something that would draw attention. This would make Joe Biden happy. This would, uh, you know, this would be good. I mean, it's it's no different, really, from the level of political engagement, the way that they want to talk about issues today. I say this totally throw away any appearances of wanting to talk about issues legitimately, anyhow. So. That's my idea. Guys, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. SDG. See you Monday. Take care.